Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to get you to rethink work so you can enjoy life more. Have you ever found yourself counting down the hours in your 9 to 5, wondering just when the heck you can leave? Or maybe you feel like what you're truly capable of and what you're currently doing is far from aligned. You know, your job doesn't have to be this miserable. This is why today I brought on an amazing guest by the name of Carson Tate. She has done some amazing things and she has some brilliant insight as to how you can be more engaged at work. Carson is the author of the best-selling book, Work Simply, Embrace the Power of Your Personal Productivity Style, and her newest title, Own It, Love It, Make It Work, which was published by McGraw-Hill. Carson's views have been included in top-tier media, including Bloomberg Business Week, Business Insider, CBS Money Watch, Fast Company, Forbes, and many more. Carson is also the founder and managing partner of Working Simply, a business consulting firm that has served leading global brands, including Deloitte, FedEx, and Wells Fargo. So as you can see, Carson is just going to be amazing, and this episode is going to help you out if you're struggling with the Monday Blues. And I also want to bring to light a resource that Carson has given us, which is a productivity style assessment, as well as her dream job roadmap. This is her roadmap that she spent countless hours with clients figuring out, helping them to figure out exactly where they belong. So check this out. I'm going to drop that in the podcast description, a really cool resource, and hope you can check it out. All right, without further ado, this is episode 189 of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Carson, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. I'm so excited to be with you and all your listeners today. Excellent. And based on our conversation we had before this, I thought that it would be great to launch into what you do for your clients and specifically how engagement has helped your clients at work, because I know we're going to be tying that into the rest of this episode. Mm-hmm. So we help our clients in two areas. One, we help them optimize performance through productivity strategies and tools, which was the focus of first book. And what I found is that once we've cleared the noise and the decks and we're more effective, making a greater impact impact, we start to ask, is this all there is to work? And that's where we get to work with our clients on engagement. And engagement is finding that fulfillment, that meaning, that personal satisfaction and passion in your work. And so we help our clients do that through one-on-one executive coaching. We help them in training programs. And then that's the whole focus of my new book to empower individuals to do it for themselves as well. That's fantastic. So how have you seen that engagement specifically and boosting this kind of thing can actually help with people's happiness levels? Right. So you spend most of your waking hours at work, right? Mm -hmm. And so when work is not the full expression of who you are and when work isn't driving that happiness and that fulfillment, it bleeds into all aspects of our life right? It impacts our personal relationships. It impacts our mental and physical well-being. And so engagement is absolutely essential, I'd say, for living that rich, full life. And so when our clients get to that place where they're seen and recognized for their contributions, they've structured their work in a way that it works for them. They've identified the value and the meaning. It's unbelievable. They get promoted. They earn more money. They have happier relationships. They're physically healthier everything lines up. 
Yes, absolutely. And I just want to get people excited just because I know the things that we're going to talk about may seem overwhelming, but it's one of those things that if we can apply them and make them work for us and actually internalize them, then we'll see other areas of our life go up exponentially. So I'm a hype man in that regard, but I think just that alone and improving people's happiness levels and just feeling like much better situation at work will motivate people. So that's a really good point. I also think the other what's in it for me to keep listening is control, because right now Mm. most of us are feeling, at least I am, a little bit out of control and there's a lot of uncertainty. But when you start to take ownership and dial into where you can start to exert some control in your career, it's unbelievable what it does for that sense of personal well-being. And you realize, wow, I actually have a lot more personal agency than I thought I did. I love that. We talked a little bit about this concept where people are realizing more and more what their jobs actually are for their face value during this time where we're all working from home. And so I think, you know, to keep incentivizing people, I think now is the time more than ever to get introspective and realize what it is that your strengths are, just things like that we're going to talk about in a little bit. I think there's no better time. Wouldn't you agree? I could not agree more, Chris. Now is the time. We're in the midst of rapid, transformative change in how we work. Now is the time. And what I'm hearing from our corporate clients, they want to know what you team member want and need. They're trying to learn too. So take advantage of this opportunity. Wonderful. So let's launch into the heart here. Let's get strategic with some of these elements that we're going to be covering in regards to being engaged at work. I would like to go through each one of these one by one and talk about, you know, why it's important and how we use them to our advantage. What is thing number one? Thing number one, we'll talk about recognition. So admitting your recognition and appreciation needs. So we are all humans that need to be seen and heard. And at work, at times we think if I ask to be recognized, a thank you, an email out to the team acknowledging what I have contributed to maybe a new client, I'll be seen as self-centered, not a team player. And really, who am I to want and need that? Well, it is actually a very important need. And I cannot tell you how many clients we've had who have ended up leaving or being miserable just because they didn't get a thank you. Not recognized that way. Not recognized. And so the first piece, if we're going to create this fulfilling work life, is to know how you want and need to be recognized. So is it a verbal recognition from your manager? Do you need, actually, are you recognized by time? time spent with your manager or colleague brainstorming, working through a problem? Is it that plaque on the wall, which might be a virtual plaque right now in an email? What exactly is it that you need? Because your manager isn't psychic. Your team members aren't psychic. They can't read what you need. And when you can identify that, then you can set up the conditions to get that recognition met. A, that makes a lot of sense to me because I've noticed the times in my life where I was recognized someone, whether it's by a coworker or a manager. Like I have personally felt five times better about what I do and how motivated I am. But the part that blows my mind and the thing that I haven't really thought of before is like, how is my own recognition or me being able to get recognized by my peers? How is that within my own control? Wouldn't you say it's 99% in the control of the other people? No, I would actually say that it's in your control and how you're going to do this is the first step is to ask for some feedback. Now, when I hear the word feedback, it makes me sweat. I mean, (laughs) we we all are like, what are they going to say? But here's the key thing here. We're asking for feedback to elevate performance and get the recognition you need. 
So there's a model that I teach our clients. We call it the C model. S, which is the specific kind of feedback you want. So we're very specific. This isn't open-ended. Hey, Chris, can you give me some feedback? No, 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 that's going to make us all sweat. Then you share an example of the type of feedback that you want and you explain it. So I'm setting up my manager, my team member to give me some very specific feedback in coaching so I can improve performance and get the recognition that I want at the same time. So what does this look like? So I was coaching a woman. She really wanted to be more succinct and direct in her presentations to the senior leadership team. She would get really weedy all down in the details and everybody would kind of glaze over. So she asked her manager, we'll call him Chris. Chris, could you please let me know within the first three minutes of the presentation, if you hear the bottom line or the central point? Really specific. Doesn't get more specific. I was going to say, that's really good. And so she empowered her manager, we'll call him Chris, to listen and then say, yes, Anne, I heard it. And then here's what you said. Great. So it's a skill she's practicing. She's working on her performance and now she's getting the recognition she needs around. Yes, you nailed it. Great job. I love that. You know, directly puts the control in my hands, especially if that's something that I want to get better at as a professional. Like that is so darn empowering. And so I guess the follow up to that is when does my employee of the year award come from in that regard? It should come very quickly after that. Well, so so here's what's happening. I mean, as we create more positive work experiences, we're building up our self-esteem. So that's what's happening behind the scenes. And as you said, as we do more work and we're seen and recognized for it, we want to continue to do a better job. Kind of it's a building process. Now, the other piece that we have to talk about is we're getting the feedback, we're elevating performance, getting that recognition. The other piece is if I identify, hey, Chris, you know, it's really helpful when you say thank you. The second way, and this takes the courage, is being willing to have that conversation with your manager and be just vulnerable enough to say, hey, Chris, it's really helpful when I deliver extraordinary customer service for a client and you just acknowledge that and say thanks in an email. It's really helpful. Okay. So framing it instead on the actions that someone can take versus the other way around. It's funny. I'm like, I'm remembering this exercise. It seemed like this crazy hokey exercise when I did it back in the day. But in this exercise, someone blindfolds themselves and people can only either applause if they're headed in the right direction. So something was hidden within the room and they had to figure out where that thing was hidden in the room based on the feedback that people were giving with their applause or their booze. The applause significantly helped people find it in record time versus if people only booed or even if people booed and clapped, it was just amazing what we like what, you know, that exercise showed, which is how people respond to positive feedback versus no feedback at all or negative feedback. I love that and I think it directly connects to your example. That's a great illustration of it. Yes. You've got the personal agency to create those conditions where we can get more applauses than boos by being specific in your ask for feedback, identifying your recognition needs, and then being very specific with your manager and what that looks like. And it doesn't mean you're going and, you know, whining to them and saying, hey, you know, I need that. (laughs) No, it's very directive because it's supporting performance, yours and ultimately the company's. I love it. Makes a lot of sense to me. So Carson, what is element number two that we're going to be discussing today? 
relationships. Oh, we got to talk go. about, let's go. We got to talk <laughs> about working with people because none of us work alone, right? We all work on teams mm-hmm. professionally and in our personal life, we might you know, be in a volunteer group. And so one thing that I found so interesting in my research for the book is that social needs are treated in the brain the same way as food and water, which means they're primal. And I think we've all probably realized this after being shut in our homes for a while that we do need these relationships. But what happens at work is we unconsciously undermine our relationships. It's not intentional, but we do two things. One, we assume everyone wants to be treated like we do, the golden rule. Now, there are elements where that works really well, but we don't all think and process information the same way. We don't all work. And so if we're treating everybody like a little mini me, it's really not an authentic connection. Okay. And we're going to miss things. So to, to pick at that really quick, would you say that there are certain things that are universal in terms of how we want to be treated versus other sorts of things? And we have to distinguish the difference? Actually, no. I would suggest that the most vibrant, authentic relationships are built off of the platinum rule where I'm treating you, Chris, the way you want to be treated. Okay. So I'm shaping and tailoring my interactions to what you want and need. Makes sense. Right. Versus this one size fits all. So here's an example. I don't know if you've gotten on a Zoom call recently, probably five minutes ago and with a team. And then all of a sudden there's this chat about what's going on on Netflix that you're binging. And then you're hearing about teaching math, all this chit chat about personal stuff. Well, what if that's really not how you think and process and the way you approach work is I just want to focus on the goal. What's the information I need? And I want to get started. This chat feels to me like a waste of time. So if I'm a manager and I'm starting all team meetings with personal chit chat and recipe sharing, potentially, I'm going to suggest you probably are, there are people on your team that this is alienating and disconnecting from the group. So our opportunity is to how to identify how these folks want to be treated. And so any workplace has got four different types of work styles. You've got our logical analytical folks. These are data, facts, numbers. They do not want to chit chat about Netflix binging. Then you've got your organized sequential detailed folks. These are your process people. They like checklist and order. And then you've got your supportive, intuitive, relational people. They do want to talk about your kids and how work is going. And then our big picture people that are strategic. They see things, big connections. They challenge the status quo and they want to talk about concepts. These are all really different. And so if we apply one size fits all, we're going to create some conflict, some friction, and we're going to probably create some unintended stories about my colleagues. So what do I do with that information, knowing that different people have different styles and want to be treated differently, maybe even at the micro level, like meetings, like you're talking about the Zoom meetings? Yes. So first, if you can identify the work style of your colleagues, can you look for cues and clues? So. Yep. So that logical person, they're going to ask you questions about goal outcomes. They're very direct, very succinct. That organized person, they talk about structure. They talk about process. You see all of the list they make. That relationship person, they're the ones that know the goldfish name you know, of your friend. They know the people. Look for those clues. They're also pretty intuitive. And the big picture ones are the ones that are always coming up with the new ideas and challenging the status quo, like longer sentences and ideas. 
once you know that, then we take our communication to how they want to be communicated. So that logical person answer the what question. What's the outcome? The purpose of the meeting today is fill in the blank and shut up. That's it. That's all they need. They'll go from there. And then our organized person, they want to talk about the how. How do we want to achieve this objective? How has it been done in the past? How are we going to produce this product or deliverable during a pandemic? It's about process, how, execution. And then our relationship person, that supportive, relational, communicative person, who? They care about the people. Who's on the team? Mm. Who's the client? Who needs to know? And then our big picture person, that strategic thinker, it's why. Why this? Why not? They're going to push and want to talk about context. Now, some of your listeners are saying, okay, Carson, but what if I can't figure it out? Or what if I've never met this person before and it's a prospect and I'm sending them an email? If that's the case, then I want you to walk the matrix, which means we're going to answer all four of these questions in your communication. What's the goal or the objective? How are we going to achieve it? Who's involved? And why does it matter? And this doesn't take long. This is like one or two sentences. Quick exercise. And we're done. Okay. So that all makes a lot of sense to me. And that's really exciting because I'm sure some team members in our company right now are smiling right now because we're relooking at how we do our meetings here. Because I think there's so much to be said about these Zoom meetings, especially during this time of the pandemic. There are unnecessary meetings out there. There are things that should not be talked about during certain meetings and relegated to others. So I think this focus on relationships and the platinum rule I thought was really cool. I hadn't thought about that before. To put a quick cap on that, what will my life look like if I am not abiding by this platinum rule? And what will my life contrast that with what will my life look like if I am abiding by this platinum rule? If you choose to continue using the golden rule, what it will look like, miscommunications that generate more meetings, more email and unpotential ill will. Right. Um, stories, you will start to tell a story about Chris that will not be grounded in facts and will start to negatively impact other relationships. And potentially you're going to miss an opportunity for a connection or an insight that would really strengthen the relationship with a team member or a prospect. That's all I need for me. That's so good. That is so good. So moving on to our third element here. And if I think I know what it is, I'm already getting really excited. But please introduce to our listeners the third element that's going to help them reshape reshape how they think of work. Yes. And the third element is strengths and really identifying and leveraging your strengths to support and advance the mission of your company and to shape the work in the way that you want to shape it. And so strengths are those things that are good at you can't not do. Even if you weren't paid, you would probably be doing some version of this. You want to continue to grow and develop it. And so what I see so often though with our clients, Chris, is that we kind of do a surface level strength. I'm good Mm -hmm. at getting things done. Mm -hmm. Hear that one a lot. That's a lot of people's strength. But my question is, what does that really mean? What does it look like? What's the value to you? And what's the value to me as part of your team or the organization? So we've got to go below the getting things done. And we talk about excavating our strengths because the strengths magnify your performance and potential. And in the relationship with your employer, this is the currency you're trading because this is what you bring, right? Strengths are skills. This is experience. These are the things you're really good at. And so we use a reflection process or a deeper dive using a calendar and task analysis to really understand what are those strengths. 
I'll give an example of what a strength looks like. So one of my dear friends, Gail, she's an executive coach. She is phenomenal at coaching. Now, Gail, I've watched her coach the flight attendant, the barista. Mm -hmm. She'll even try to coach someone when we're walking down the street. She can't not coach. That's like, yeah, it's part of who she is. It's part of who she is, Kristen. She coached our waitress at our favorite wine bar and her next career (laughs) as a yoga instructor. She can't not do it. So she's really good at it. She can't not do it. And if I asked her if she wouldn't be doing it, she's like, no, this is who I am. So think about your best day at work. What do people applaud you about? I feel strong when. Where do you find yourself in that flow state of kind of time passes. It's just hard enough. That's where you can start to reflect to start to peel away what the strength. And so let's say I do figure out whatever my strengths are. And I I get it very specific. I'm very in tune with it. How would I apply that to my work life? Let's say, for instance, if I feel like I'm locked into a certain job doing the same thing every day and I want some sort of change, but how would I be able to use that to my advantage to create a better life for myself? Mm -hmm. So the first step is to demonstrate how your strength or strengths support the company's accomplishment of its goals and how it helps the company generate revenue, serve clients, generate new products. So first of all, we want to draw a very clear and line of distinction between this is what I do really well and this is how it helps you. Mm. Then we want to ask to do more of these strengths. Actually have to take action and have a conversation with someone. (laughs) Would you believe that? Yeah, that's the tough part, right? It is. Yeah. And, it is. But you know, I was, um, I started my career in sales and had a great sales manager. And it was like day two. And he looked to me and he's like, Carson, if you do not ask, you will not receive. So if you want more of the Monday morning blues and work sucks, just don't ask. But this ask is grounded in value. This ask is grounded in what you're providing. And this ask is grounded in what you want more of in your life. I think the stakes are too high not to ask. So you ask in a way of, I want to do more of these strengths. Here's how it benefits you. And here's how it benefits me. Makes a lot of sense to me. And to represent some people who are more on the executive side, maybe our business owners or people, you know, who are managing, you know, part of me says, like, is it just a tell situation where you tell the people that you're working with that this is what I'm working on? Or do you have to get some level of buy in from them before maybe changing out your entire duties and how you work as as an executive? It's a different case with the executive because they have not only positional power, but they also have the autonomy on some level to really structure their work. So usually the biggest roadblock that we experience with the executives is if I make this change, which the downhill stream effect on my team. Huge consideration there. Huge consideration. So they need to pull that thread and think about, so if I start to redesign my work, leveraging my strengths more, what is that downstream effect for my team? I asked this for a specific reason, and that's it's selfish because I'm trying to figure that out myself. I'm realizing more and more what my strengths are as a professional, and I'm really hoping to leverage those strengths because I think that there's a lot of things that I'm doing right now that are just counterproductive to our entire success as an organization. You know, I'll say it there. I think that it doesn't come in the form of I'm doing things that are counterproductive, I should say, but I should say that it's busy work almost. It's work that I feel like I'm not really particularly good at and that there are other things that I'm doing that I am really good at and that are strengths. And I'm almost asking myself, like, how do I leverage and bring those things to the forefront of my career 
and turn away from those things that just don't make sense. This is really eye-opening for me. That makes an incredible lot of sense to me. I would challenge you, Chris, how is the busy work serving you? Because there's a piece of it. I want to do it so badly. That's the problem. I feel like I have to. So how is it serving you? How is it serving the company? And can we reframe it? Is this busy work an opportunity to develop or grow someone on the team, elevate them, and or does someone on the team have a strength in this area that this would be a phenomenal opportunity for them Mm -hmm. to take this work? And you have so... As an executive and the owner, you've got a lot of opportunity here. And ultimately, with my executives, it's just you stand in your own way. Isn't that what it is? Awesome. Well, you are not just only helping the job seekers on this podcast. You're helping other executives. You're helping me, my selfish reason for asking that question. And I do appreciate you coming on the show and sharing these three elements. I always ask the question in this regard, but if you could tattoo one encouraging message for anyone applying for a job right now, what would that message be? Any job can be your dream job because you define the dream. So before you say yes to that job, get really clear on what your dream job looks like and what you're going to do to shape it and then align that job with your dream. I love it. So well put. Well, you have a book or I think it's a workbook that came out just recently, but could you please talk about that and why you wrote it? Sure. So I have a new book and workbook. You know, writing a book wasn't enough. (laughs) People work. (laughs) Right. I was like, let's make this work. You got to apply it. So the book is called Own It, Love It, Make It Work. And the reason I wrote it is because when I was looking at the disengagement epidemic, which I believe we have, most of our workforce is not engaged, fulfilled, and satisfied at work. The solutions on the market came at it from the perspective of a manager or company no one was talking to what you can do. And I believe that you as an individual have tremendous opportunity to shape your job in a way that works. And if you aren't clear on what you need to be engaged and fulfilled, how Mm. can an organization or manager ever support you in that journey? So I wanted a roadmap that individual team member could follow and implement to create their dream job. I love that. And I think that's the one really special thing about this episode is and the book you know is there's so much subject matter on how to increase engagement and productivity at work from the employer's perspective but you know not enough from the job seekers perspective and why would that benefit me how does that help me and i think it creates a much more even balanced symmetry between both people and it's just going to be a lot better because who wants to just be engaged just for the heck of it, just because it's going to serve my manager or my boss that I, you know, that I may not like. So, and for those of you listeners, I will also make sure to link Carson's book as well as how to follow her at the end of this episode as well. Well, Carson, thanks so much for coming here. Any final words of advice? No, it would just be ask for what you want and need and know that no job is exempt from significance. And I can't say it enough. Any job can be your dream job because you define the dream. I love it. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, you too. Perfect. And so for you listeners, as I mentioned earlier, I will make sure to include the link to Carson's book, as well as how to follow her in the description of this podcast. I just get so excited when we talk about productivity and engagement, because I know it's something that we can all benefit from. This isn't just about your job search, coming up with a really nice resume. It goes so much more beyond that. An extra thank you to Carson for coming on today. And hopefully I hear back from you and how this benefited you later on in the future. Thanks so much for tuning in. This was the Career Warrior Podcast.